This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. I have the opportunity to, to do what I do, and that is to lead you into the word of the Lord. Why don't you go with me to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 6. 1 Timothy, chapter 6 will be our series theme verse. We've been looking at this now for several weeks. Today's part number three. And this is kind of a verse of scripture that is going to take us through this entire series. We're in a series called The Cheerful Giver. And The Cheerful Giver. And because, you know, here's, here's what I taught last week. And that is, you can give without loving. You can give without cheerfully loving and cheerfully giving. You can, you can give that way. But you cannot love without giving. Uh, you cannot love without giving. The love that you have for the work of God and the kingdom of God, it calls on us to give. And the Bible teaches us not to just, not to just give, but do it with the right spirit and heart. And part number one, I talked to us about ways of giving, joyfully giving and, and giving with, with, with liberal open hearts. And then last week, last week we went a little further and we talked about eternal giving giving towards things that last forever not just not just things here in this world and now today will be part number three and uh, we'll get to a specific text for that but the theme series uh, the theme verse rather for the series is first timothy six here it goes verse 17 command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain wealth worldly wealth finances are so uncertain so instead the alternative is to put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment command them to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous everyone say generous be generous and willing to share Why? Because in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, eternity, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly, truly life. Now, for this morning, specifically, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. Here it is. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God wants to bless you in such a way that you will be able to be generous on every occasion. I don't know if you've ever experienced this or not. I know I have. Have you ever found yourself in a position that your heart was moved and you wanted to be generous to someone? There were probably times where you could and you did and there were probably some times that you wanted to and you thought it's just not a good time. Well, God's will for your life is for every opportunity that feels right in your spirit where you're not being manipulated where you're not being under pressure, where, where you're not being nagged on and, and put in a corner. I'm talking about the, the right way, 
when your heart is moved to give, God's will for your life is for you to be generous on all of those occasions. So therefore, we have to live by the principles of the Word of God, and we also have to be led of the Holy Spirit to be able to be generous on every occasion. This morning, my subtopic is the marks, the marks, the identifying marks of a generous life. The identifying marks of a generous life. Before I get right into my message, I would like to say in your worship guide, uh, beyond just the connection card, uh, I have in my worship guide today these acts of kindness, little cards and I've been continuing to receive testimonies of you, of you that come here to Calvary Church in the 9 o'clock and also the 11 o'clock where you've been doing nice things for people in our community, whether it be by finances or, or whether it be by service. You've been, you've been active in being generous towards someone. And I've been hearing testimonies of you of, of leaving these little sweet cards and reminding people that your generosity is not just for your glory, not for you to feel good about yourself, but it's because you want to give glory to God. And this entire series comes down to this. It's not for your, it's not for your blessing. It's for the glory and the honor to God that we live a generous life. Can I get an amen, somebody? So if you need more of those, we have them in the lobby. Grab you five or six, grab 10. Uh, just grab them and, and anytime you do something kind for someone for the glory of God, just, just leave that card for them and that way they know that there are people in this world that wanna treat people the right way to reflect the love of God, amen? Let's get started this morning in this message the marks of a generous life. We're going to be spending time in the book of Luke. If you'd like to go to Luke chapter 10, feel free to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. If you are one that utilizes our sermon notes, you could open up your app. Calvary FTW is how you find the app on your Apple device or your Android device. And go ahead and open that on your smartphone. And we're going to spend time in Luke chapter 10 today. One of the great stories in scripture of generosity is found in Luke chapter 10 verse number 30 is where we're going to start and here we have Jesus speaking in reply Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers they stripped him of his clothes they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. So we have this gentleman that's been beaten up, that's had everything taken from him, and he's lying on the side of the road. And we have a, we have a list here, a succession. We have a, a story told of what happened next after someone was beaten, robbed, and left for dead, this is what happened. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road and he saw the man. 
And he passed on the other side of the road. I would, the Bible doesn't say this, but I could almost see it happening in my eye, in my mind's eye, almost as though he saw him and chose to look the other way and to just ignore the need and went on the other side of the road. I, the Bible doesn't say that he went on the other side of the road watching him the whole time. I could just see the priest seeing the need and just causing his eyes to drift this way and going on the other side of the road to, to, to ignore, if you will, or to, be, uh, to have the need hidden from his vision. Are you tracking with me? So he kind of skirts around on the other side of the road, the Bible says. And then verse 32, so too, so also a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side of the road. Verse 33, but a Samaritan. And I don't want to be so silly to assume that everyone knows the poignancy of the particular characters that, this, that Jesus is speaking of. A priest, I think we all understand, a priest of, of, all the, of all the people in the story, you would think the priest would stop to offer help. And on the other side of the spectrum, a Samaritan, you would think if you understood your historical uh, setting here, a Samaritan, he was the individual that always had the greater need than anyone else. The Samaritan was looked at as the, as the um, lower end class of these three types of people. The priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. But, the Bible says, but, but, but the Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw the man, he took pity. And this word pity could be compassion. He took compassion. He, he took time and he gave this man love. Here's how it says. It took, he took pity on him and he went to him. What the priest do? He, he walked away from him. What the Levite do? He walked away from him. What the Samaritan do? He went to him. Everyone say proactive. Yeah, I mean this fella, he wasn't just ignoring the need of this beaten, robbed, left for dead individual. He didn't just ignore him, he went to him. He, he pursued him, took pity on him, had compassion towards him, and he bandaged his wounds he poured in oil, wine. This, he poured in this healing salve. Then he put the man on his, his own donkey. He, he put him on his beast of transportation. Brought him to an inn, to a hotel. And took care of him. This Samaritan, the one that had the least of the three, gave the most and he took him to the inn, took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii. He took out his money from his pocket, gave it to the innkeeper, and said, look after him, 
And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. So he pursued him. He loved on him. He cared for him. He took him to a safe place. He paid the bill. And due to life circumstances, he had to leave. But he said, anything that you're out while I'm gone, I'll reimburse you of anything that you're out. And then Jesus comes back to us. To the audience that he's speaking to. And he asked the question in scripture and in Here it is today as we read it. He's asking all of us the scripture's question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus looked back into the eye of the legalistic expert. And said, you go and do likewise. I want to show you that this Samaritan, he had a few identifying marks that I believe you and I need to look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, do we, do we see the same marks in our own life? If, if I were to tell you that this Samaritan was of a certain height, of a certain skin tone, had certain hair color, I would say, go to the mirror and see if you look like him. Well, this is not about his height, his skin tone, or his hair color. It's about his lifestyle. And I'm asking you to look yourself in the mirror of God's grace and mercy and be sincere. And guess what? I'm not asking you to answer if your neighbor looks like him. I'm not asking you to tell me if, if you think your, 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 your friend in front of you looks like him. I'm asking you, do you look like this Samaritan? The first thing I see real quick is, is right there in verse number 33 where he had pity on him. I see that this Samaritan was willing, he was willing to give love. Willing to give love. I heard someone recently say about our, our efforts that we're doing in our missions. And I heard someone say, and, and I honestly, I know the individual. And I don't think that this was a statement of their heart. And I'm sure that once they saw my face and my response to the statement, I'm certain that they felt like, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But uh, they said, well... You know, I'm one of those that I just like to write a check for everything. I don't really need to go anywhere and do anything and help anybody, but I'll give money. Can I tell you something? The Lord is more interested in your heart of love way before he needs your money. And what happens with all of us is we get so caught up in being a priest or we get so caught up in being a Levite That we just think we can just write a check and solve all the problems that we have. And one day, me and you, one day we're going to be the man in the ditch. And we're not going to need money. What we're going to need is love. Someone say love. 
Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says it this way. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In other words, wake up every morning and put your coat of love on. Yes, make sure you have your wallet and your checkbook. But what good is a wallet and a checkbook if you're not clothed in compassion, love, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? Love is the foundation. Love is the foundation of generosity. Everything about generosity hinges on love. Let me say it in a much straightforward, bold way. And, and after last Sunday, I started feeling so good. Someone in this service came to me after the 9 o'clock service last week and said, one reason I just love to hear you preach is you don't beat around the bushes. You don't, you don't dodge anything. You just call it the way it is. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that really isn't the wise thing to do. So here I go. I'm hoping this is one of those that's, that's, that's really good. Hey, everybody. Thank you for your financial generosity. But sometimes you got to love before you ever start thinking, what can I give and do to, I don't want to have to fool with the man on the side of the road. He's dirty. He's, he's half naked. He's, 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 he's bleeding. I don't want to have to fool. I'll just write a check. I'll, hey, take him to the hotel and I'll pay the bill. That way I don't have to deal with any of that. You know, all, all we did really was, was, was give a little something out of our pocket. And I don't know how you feel about this and I'm going to go there anyway. I think some people try to live for God. And they try to make their way to heaven in the same way. And they try to work their way to heaven. They try to, they try to look the right part. They try to dot every I, cross every T. And, you know, I find myself saying this all the time. And I guess I'll just be in a lifelong journey of therapy. But I grew up in an environment that... You could almost buy your way into heaven. You could work your way into heaven. You could, you could, you could just, just, if you just wrote enough checks, not necessarily money, but if you just looked right, acted right, walked right, talked right, well, you just thought that was your ticket. That was your way to heaven. And the older I get and the more I study the word of God, I find that God is, yes, he's into obedience and yes, he's into sacrifice, but God's more concerned about where my heart is more than where my shirt sleeve is. And the length of my, my coat and my... Is this making sense to you? If you really want to know where the foundation of generosity is, it's not just how much you've given money-wise. It's where's your heart? Do you really give love? And that's what this series is about. It's not about raising money. It's not about asking you to give more financially. It's about... Getting to the foundation of generosity, being a cheerful giver means getting down in that ditch with that bloody, half-beaten, left-for-dead man and giving love. Second thing I see as a mark of this believer, this 
giver, this Samaritan, is in the very next verse, number 34. After he's given his love, because the Bible said he went to him. He went to him. The Bible then says he spent time with him. He gave his time. He gave his time. Now, I must confess, and there's a few young, or not young, there's a few parents of young children, I should say, in this service. And I have a feeling I'm not alone in this. The very thing that I just preached about towards the church, I find myself committing the same crime towards our schools and towards the sports activities that my kids are in. When it comes fundraiser time, I just ask them, what can I pay? Don't give me a box of chocolate candy bars that we got to go around town selling. If it totals of 20 bucks, I'll give you 30 just to where I don't have to go sell the candy bars. Isn't that terrible? But all the parents of kids and fundraisers, you better say amen or we're going to have to pray you through for lying. Because you know I'm telling the truth. Here's some Christmas wrapping paper. Take it and sell it. Well, what's it, what's it total up to? $15. I'll give you 30 Just keep the paper. Don't make us go sell paper. Well, there's something about, though, giving of the time, the buy-in, the investment of the time that really, really tells where your heart is. And for all of you here today at Calvary Church, I, I would like to call on you to ask yourself, when's the last time that you've given, given your time? A mark of generosity is someone that gives love first. If you're giving time, it's got to be built on the foundation of giving love first. But then there is this blessing of giving of your time. Serving in the local church is there's not a better place to give of your time. And it doesn't have to be on campus. It can be in our small groups. When I think of one of our particular small groups taking place right now, it's, the name of it is Embrace Life. It's a small group that we're in our third full semester of. And you may ask, well, I've never heard of that one. What's it about? It's a small group where we partner with our teen pregnancy centers here in our local area, and it gives you, as a church member, a parishioner, it gives you an opportunity to, you don't have to give any money, but once your heart of love is there, you can give of your time to just be a friend to a young lady that has found herself in a very tough situation, but thankfully, she chose to embrace life and go through the plan of God and while it may not have happened the way she wanted it to happen, she finds herself with a baby. And this church is partnered with our pregnancy centers around our community, too, to be exact, where when someone's in that position, the ladies of this church that are a part of that group, that small group, give of their time just to listen, just to love, just to care. And then we do baby showers because most of them have been just kind of put on the side of the road, kind of like a man that we just heard about, left out just to do things on their own. 
I think about a small group that's completely different than that. I think about a, a business leader small group. If you're looking to place to give your time, there are businessmen and businesswomen. There are businesswomen and men in this congregation today that just with a little bit of your time, you could take young, visionary, entrepreneurial men and women of this congregation. They're not going to ask you for a penny of your money. They just want to pick your brain. They just want to ask you, how did you do it? How did you start that business? Or how did you take what you inherited and made it bigger and better? How did you multiply over these last 20, 30 years? You find yourself maybe in this service and maybe you're retired and they're not going to ask you for your money. They just want your time. And they want to know, how did, you, how did you become so successful? Tell me about your failures. Tell me about your wins. Tell me, how did you do it? And that's one of our small groups that, that because you have a heart of love, you're not just going to see the, the young 25 or the young 40-year-old businessman on the side of the road that's not sure where he's going to go next. You're not just going to dodge that and skirt that. You're not, you're not going to ignore that and turn the other way. You're going to pursue that. And you're going to give of your love and you can give of your time. And over a cup of coffee with a, a, a young mind that's willing to learn, you can make a difference. Nudge your neighbor and say, wake up, the man's preaching to you. <laughs> Don't be scared of them. Once they wake up, they'll know, I did it. Everybody say, wake up, he's preaching to you. And if he didn't wake up, then pop him in the head. And say, Pastor Tommy would have done it if he didn't think he'd be chewed out later. I want to thank all of our dream team. I want to thank all of those that are serving in our local church. Every time a door is opened and every time an usher serves and every time a musician practices, you've given of your time. Let me give you one more here. I see it right here in Scripture. This gentleman in Luke 10 he, he went down, he, 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 he took care of him, but then the Bible says that he started to pour in oil and wine. He started to serve him with his own hands. Did you see that? He served him. He's the one that put the bandages on him and served him with his own hands. Once you love and once you give time, 1 Peter chapter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received from God to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. We have 32 of our church members missing church today because they're being the church today. They're down in the Vider, Texas area and they have partnered together, all 32 of them. And I'm so proud of the the, the, um, the, the wide range of ages, you know, right here in this service. This service is represented there. I think of David and Sharon Law, longtime members of this church, grandparent status, but yet they're in Vider, Texas serving today. I think of Brother Ben O'Lux, uh, mid-70s, serving today. But then at the same time, we have... 
Uh, one of our board members, Galen Ross, is, is serving today. I think of Brent Jenkins. These are just people out of the 9 o'clock service. And off the top of my head, I don't have any names written down. But these men have left their families, left, left the comforts of their own home. And they saw someone on the side of the road, bleeding, left half dead. And they have the mark of a good Samaritan because they've chosen to go and and they've chosen to give of their love. They're giving of their time. And here we have them in, in that area giving of their talent, giving of their skill. It's not a long video. Next month we're going to have a full length recap video. But just yesterday I had one of the young men on the trip complete just a real short little video. It doesn't tell the whole story. It just gives you just a little glimpse of what your church is doing while we're here this very moment. Let's watch that this morning. serve team down there working this weekend <laughs> willing to give of their love willing to give time willing to give talent and last but not least in this story of the good Samaritan we find it in verse number 35 it says that he he paid the bill that he gave of his treasure so we're giving of our love we find this man pursuing the one in need. He didn't, he didn't go around him. He went after him, didn't he? And then he gave of his, his, uh, he gave of his time, his talent, and he's giving now of his treasure because he's footing the bill. I want to take a selfish moment, and I want to say a huge thank you to this church. We've given it two weeks now. I stood in this pulpit, and, and I... <laughs> I went against everything that my, my flesh was telling me to do. My spirit and my heart was saying, we need to take up a hurricane relief offering. And, and as I met with our staff, I thought, I cannot do that to this church because October is our missions month and we're going to be raising money for missions. And I got a little bit nervous about it, but the Holy Spirit would not let it go. And I came to the, you, this church, and I ask you, is there anyone that's been moved with the need on the side of the road? And if you'd like to give, let's give liberally. And I want to say today that after just two weeks, that this local church right here in Fort Worth, Texas, you have given a total of $12,873.35. And every single penny is freely given to Hurricane Relief. Come on, everybody. We can do better than that. 
I'm so proud of you. Now let me, let me make the corner in this sermon this morning. And if we've identified the marks of a generous life. If, it, if, if that's what generosity looks like. Somebody that loves. Somebody that's willing to give some time. Somebody that's willing to, to, to give some talent. And somebody that's willing to help financially. If that's what generosity looks like then we need to know from Scripture what are the benefits of a generous life. Because I will tell you this much, there are great benefits, dividends that are paid for eternity because of generosity. Let me share a few of them with you. But I want to take it right out of 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. Now, once again, I've tried to say it every Sunday. You should give what you've decided to give, not under compulsion. Because God loves a cheerful giver. But there are, there are some benefits of generosity. And you need to know about them. Let me give them to you quickly today. The favor of God. It rests upon the generous. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 112 and verse 5. Good. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. I haven't had you raise your hand all morning, and I can't get through a Sunday without one time. So if you're one that wants the favor of God on your life, would you just raise your hand? If you want the favor of God, man, I want the favor of God on my life. What is the favor of God? When good comes to me, without me knowing it, without me expecting it, without me doing anything for it, it may not be, and more than likely, it's not going to be a check in the mailbox. Your late night tele-evangelist may say, if you give this much money, wake up in the morning, it's going to be in your mailbox. It's probably not going to happen, but I will tell you this. This preacher will look you in the eye and tell you what the Bible just said. Good things will come to the generous and that freely give. You cannot keep the favor and the blessing of God off of your life if he looks down and sees that he can trust you not to hoard, not to be greedy, not to live a selfish life. Uh, selfishly driven life when he sees someone willing to live selflessly and willing to receive from God and to be a vehicle of blessing to others God will send good your way there are stories throughout this entire nine o'clock audience today matter of fact I would give anything for you to start talking about them you to start sharing them with others don't keep those stories to yourself because there are stories in this service where you had no idea what was coming your way. But following on the heels of your generosity, the favor of God. Something went in your way, in your direction. Good, good came and knocked on your life's door. 
I have so many of the stories. I have so many good things happen to me. It's not money in a mailbox, but good things. It's amazing how many good things happen. And, and my buddies, my buddies that don't quite understand it, they're like, man, how'd you get so lucky? Well, I believe in a little bit of luck, but I also believe in the favor of God. Do you realize you're just one person away? You're just one handshake, uh, handshake away from everything changing? Now, all of you know that I love golf, right? Y'all of you know that. And if you didn't know that, here it is. Big announcement. I love golf. And in our world, in our culture, in our, in our, in our America, I would think, and may, maybe some people would have a different opinion, but I would think, Chuck, I know you're a golfer. I would think that the ultimate of all ultimates, of all ultimates, would be to be able to play at Augusta National Country Club where they play the Masters. And I am so crazy to believe Somebody's going to take me there one day. <laughs> Laugh all you want. I just know it's going to happen. And it's not going to happen when I'm 85 and can't enjoy it. It's going to happen. And all of you that got that little crazy smirk, I'm going to buy you a hat when I'm there. And I'm going to say, oh, you missed out, you little smirker. You missed out. I just know that somewhere, somehow, let me tell you why. Because God's kind of shown me the first steps. Y'all think this is silly. I'm telling you it's the favor of God. I was in Chicago with a lawyer friend of mine. He said, have you ever been to a Cubs game? I said, no, I wouldn't want to go. I don't like the Cubs. And he said, you got to experience Wrigley Field. And I said, well, that's true. So we go to Wrigley Field. I'm not the biggest of baseball fans, but I'm in Wrigley Field, and I'm kind of enamored with it. It's kind of cool. You know, it's Wrigley Field. He paid for the ticket, favor of God. And I'm standing there in line to buy a snack before the game started, and the man next to me had an Augusta National hat on. And I said, you, you, you. notice I looked up, right? <laughs> Most of my life, I'm always like that. And I said, you, you've, been, you've, you've been to the Masters? He looked at me and thought, He's got to be from the South. You don't just talk to people at Wrigley Field unless you're from the South. And he said, yeah, I go every year. And I said, wow, that's incredible. He said, have you been? And I said, nah, never been. I'm going to go one day. And he said, you know, I've got season tickets. Every year I go to the Masters. They're, they've been passed down for generations. We've got seven of them. I said, Wow. You know, that's the number of completion in the Bible. He said, what do you know about the Bible? I said, I'm a pastor. He said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas, but originally from Louisiana. He went, you're from Louisiana? I said, yeah, I'm from Louisiana. He said, man, I love Louisiana. I love Cajun food. I said, oh, como se va, boo. <laughs> and he said, I tell you what, give me your business card. I said, I got it right here. He said, I'm going to do my best to get you a ticket to the Masters. And I said, I'm going to do my best to hug you right here in public. <laughs> so, the Masters came. No phone call, no email. But two weeks later, at that time, Miss Carol was our secretary. She came in, she goes, I don't know who sent you this, but it's a big old box. 
And I opened it up, and there was a plain little card, and it just said, Pastor, Wrigley Field, Ben. And there was a master's hat. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. He remembered me. The next master's came, no ticket. I was bummed. (laughs) Two weeks later, another box. This time, a shirt. Pastor, Ben, Wrigley Field. You got to be kidding me. He remembered me again. Next year, no ticket. Bummed. Two weeks later, box. Pastor, Ben, Wrigley Field. Still remember, master's coffee cup. So I finally broke down. I wrote him. I said, Ben, enough of the gifts. I'm ready to go to the master's. And he, he, he wrote me back and he said, working on it. It will happen. So now I just decided I'm going to go for the gusto. And the next time I'm going to tell him, Ben, make a phone call. Let's go play it. You laugh all you want. Here's how the blessings of generosity happen. You may not ever get big money in your, in your mailbox. And don't, don't buy into that. It, that. That's silly. We don't give in order to get. But one of the things that just naturally happen is when you're generous, the favor of God comes upon your life. You'll get jobs given to you. You'll get discounts blessing you. You'll, 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 you'll all of a sudden, your, your, your application, it will be moved to the top of the list. Without question, your accounts that you thought somebody else was taking, all of a sudden they say, you know what? They've been too good to us. Let's keep our business right where it is. Somebody say favor. Let me give you just a few more this morning. Not only will the favor of God come upon you, but real prosperity. Real prosperity. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, a generous person will prosper. Hey, Tommy didn't tell you that. The wise man of scripture led and, and orchestrated by the Holy Spirit said, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Every time you do something kind for someone, get ready. Kindness is going to knock on your door. Every time you do something special for someone, special things are going to be dropped at your front door. Every time you give of your time, your love, your talent, your treasure, get ready. Those things are going to come knocking on your door. Because when you refresh others, you too will be refreshed. Prosperity of the soul, prosperity of your family, prosperity in relationships, true prosperity, everybody. You need to get this down deep in your heart and settle it now on September 17th. You just need to settle it. Real true prosperity has nothing to do with money. True prosperity is the blessing of the soul, the peace of the heart, the comfort of family. Having your needs met, living stress-free. Somebody say amen. Amen. A third thing that comes to the generous is a legacy. A legacy of impact. I'm talking about the next generation. I'm talking about the Joe Luca, now the Andersons. I'm talking about 
Don and Joyce Gentry, now the McGuire's and the Canes and the Pounds. I'm talking about generational. I'm talking about the Dan and Patricia Laws and now their children and the Davises and their children. And I'm living proof, the Brandons and now the Brandons. Legacy, generosity, it develops with a blessing of a legacy of impact. And it's not just because I'm looking around and seeing it. It's tied to Scripture. The Bible says in Psalms 37, listen, this needs to be your Scripture to pray over. I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children. I've never seen their children. I've never seen their children begging bread. They're always generous and lend freely. Listen, and their children will be a blessing. Lucy, it's going to be generational for you. I know your heart of generosity. And that sweet baby with her head on your shoulder has no idea what you and your family do for the work of God. But I can tell you right now, it's being, it's being imparted it's being delivered into her hands and those boys' hands and that family's hands, those kids' hands. I think of Jared and Stacy. Stacy Jones stepped up in this pulpit and led in worship. And yet that little baby Jameson is still in her belly. And one day, little baby Jameson is going to come up under this blessing, this blessing of the favor of God. Because I can tell you right now, you cannot, you cannot live a generous life and keep the favor and the blessings of God off of you. It will be so heavy that it will spill over into your lineage, into your legacy. And let not your legacy be that you had this much stuff. Let your legacy be you made this kind of impact. You left your thumbprint on people and on the work of God. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. Finally, as I close today, if Jeff will come help me close. The benefits of generosity is you make an impact, but it's with honor to God. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30 says, those who honor me I will honor. Those who honor me, I will honor, says the Lord. Your life will carry an eternal impact. Eternal. When you live a generous life. And then there's a bonus. If that's not good enough for you, if this sermon can't stir you already to want to be generous with your love and of your time and with your gifts, your talent to take crowbars and tear out drywall and, and, and take boats down to flooded waters and rescue people. If, if this sermon doesn't make you want to be generous, then maybe the bonus will. Because the bonus, the cherry on top for generosity is that you will lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven our theme verse says it, says it again in 1 Timothy 6 verse 18 command them to do good to be rich in good deeds to be generous 
Be willing to share. Because in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves. So in other words, all of this that you do for others, you're building a foundation for yourself. A firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that's truly life. If you want something worth writing down, here it is. Your generosity is a reflection of the generosity of God. If you have fully accepted the generous gift of God's grace, then you're left without any options. You must reflect the generosity of God. Would you stand with me this morning? When you show your kindness and compassion to others, you reveal the heart of God to others. I want to dismiss you with this and before you think I'm half crazy and unstable in my thoughts, I bless you today with this. This sermon has been prepared and I've delivered the sermon. But I woke up this morning with such a heaviness on my heart that the coming of the Lord is soon. And for those in this service today, I do not leave you with a statement of fear, but I do bless you with a statement of faith. Make yourselves ready. Make yourselves ready. All morning long, I haven't gotten it off my mind. His coming is soon. And while we do not know that time, the hour and all, I get that. We do know the seasons. And there's a lot of things happening. Make yourselves ready. Be more open and generous and kind and loving. Be more, be more like God than you've ever been. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you for a few minutes with good people. I thank you for the spirit of the Lord that's resting in this house. And before I dismiss them to their brunch and their family time, I must do what you've asked me to do in closing. If you're here today and you need to turn your life back over to Jesus, you need to give your heart to the Lord. If you're here today and you need to repent of your sins and call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and place your faith in that saving grace, I'm asking you to respond right now by lifting up your hand as quick as possible. Lift it up real tall. I want to see you. I see you there. I see you there.
I see you there. And without any fear or or intimidation, I do sincerely come to you as a local church pastor of a church that's here this morning, and I'm asking you, do you know that you know that you know that your heart is right with God? And if it isn't, I want to pray with you today, right now. Won't you lift your hand? Won't you lift your hand and just say, count me in on that. Count me in on that. For every hand that's lifted, I ask you to join with me in your faith right now and allow me just to simply open up the door and introduce you to this prayer. Dear Lord, we're living in troubled times and I've allowed my heart to draw calloused unto you. I've allowed myself to be cold towards your ways and towards your spirit. Forgive me. Forgive me for being asleep during these hours forgive me for coasting and taking life for granted forgive me for being so selfishly driven and selfishly minded I ask you to forgive me and I'm asking you by faith I'm putting all my my faith into this statement I'm asking you come into my heart again and by your grace cleanse me from all sin and iniquity I repent of my sins right now and I give you my heart, God. I've not always done it right and I don't even really know what tomorrow holds, but Father, right now, I'm, I'm going all in. There's something stirring in my heart and I'm going all in and I'm asking you, God, to show your grace towards me. Welcome me into your arms. Give me the courage and the strength to be led of the Holy Ghost in the ways of righteousness, in the lifestyle that's pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands before we go home today. Thank you for your patience with me today. I've went very long.